Are you a sneakerhead? A baller? Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. It's Kicks and Bricks, where we got game on the streets and on the court. Here's your host, Jamel Cutler. Welcome back to Kicks and Bricks. Today we have John Morris, one of the sneaker designer giants of the 1990s. He designed two of the most iconic sneakers of the time for Reebok, the Shaq Gnosis and the Sean Kemp Kamikaze 2. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, Jamel. Um, thanks for having me here, and I'm pleased to meet you. All right. Um, can you tell us how did you get initially get started working with Reebok? Sure. Um well, I, I went to school in Detroit, um, Center for Creative Studies for Automotive Design, but um, that dream didn't come true, you know, and um, my friend was working for uh, New Balance at the time, uh, Stephen Smith, he designed the Fury and a few other pretty notable shoes, and he, he said, you should try um, footwear, and he said, it's like drawing cars, but without wheels, so I put my portfolio together and um started working at reebok basically i worked at new balance for a year but but i went to reebok in 89 and it was a <clears throat> very exciting time you know to uh get into footwear all right so like before the shagnosis the shoe that you became famous for like what was some of your like your most earliest sneaker de sneaker designs for reebok um i think the first week or two they had me working on some cleated some soccer shoes uh, but pretty soon they had me working on tennis and um, I did the uh, court victory two for Michael Chang uh, I did the the pump DLO uh, Michael Steech won the um, uh, Paris Open in it and so I was doing a lot of the whole tennis line and then um, <clears throat> then I, um, they had a, a, a need for some outdoor product and so um, a real small group, and um, we started doing the outdoor stuff. And we did the Amazon sandal and the cliffhanger, which became huge. It was a huge shoe, and I love like working the outdoor products. So I was doing outdoor and tennis and some walking, and then um, uh, the Shacknosis came about from working on a custom cushioning shoe for Advanced Concepts Group. So, um, so I really only did a. a a few basketball shoes at Reebok while I was there. So it was just kind of luck, I guess. All right. So like before the Shaq Gnosis, Shaq had like the Shaq attack signatures. Like, yep. like what was his, like his sneaker reputation prior to the release of the Shaq Gnosis? Um, well, I know with the first shoe, um, when uh, the Judy Close designed the, the first one, uh, it was really, uh, fantastic shoe you know it had the big carbon fiber plate it had this this big blue piece in the collar and it had that great black graphic you know the overlay going across the shoe and it was really a bold shoe very clean but aggressive and then the shoes got a little more aggressive after that and um 
you know, and Shaquille, I mean, you know, larger than life, you know, uh, everyone was like, it was like, who wouldn't want to work on a Shaquille, you know, shoe? And so, like I said, it just, it was just luck, but, you know, everyone, you know, uh, I guess would, would want to work for, or design a shoe like that, you know? Hey, from your point of view, what was like the sneaker landscape like to you back in 1996? Uh, 95, 96, it was exciting, you know, because I think New Balance, uh, sorry, Reebok, we had passed Nike, at least in the U.S. And it was really exciting because um, we, we had a really great team and, you know, not just designers, but developers and marketing people and everyone was in sync. And so it was just making really cool stuff and, you know, and all that. And uh, so it was an exciting time. You just like, you know, you'd see one of your designers draw something or design something really cool. He said, oh, I want to try and beat that. So it was definitely like good competition. You just kept trying to see if you could outdo the other person, you know. So uh, I, th- I think that was good, you know, at least back then. Yeah, I, and I think it was like competition is great for everybody because it brings yeah, out like yeah. the best that you have to offer when you know that you have to go up against like another um, giant in the sneaker industry. Yeah, yeah. It was like... Um, Dan Brown was in charge of product marketing for, for the basketball group. And he called me into his office and he asked, he asked me if I could design the Kamikaze 2. And he said it was the follow-up for, you know, the Kamikaze. And that was really exciting, but I was really um, um, nervous because the first one was such a great shoe. I'm thinking I'll never, I'll never be able to beat that. You know, I'll never even come close. So, you know, and um, so that's the thing, you, you know, it's like good competition, you know, um, and it's friendly competition. Um, you, you know, you want to, if somebody else designs something great, you want to see if you can do something better. But at the same time, we, we helped each other. So, you know, it's definitely, um, we had a really, you know, really good team of people. So we would compete, but we would also help. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. All right, so like what's, what served as your inspiration for the Shaq Gnosis design? Oh, okay. Well, originally, like I said, I was doing a custom cushioning shoe for Advanced Concept Group, and um, it was a bladder that was on top of the midsole, so it would be right underneath your foot. And so um, basically had kind of like an oval shape that was right between the top of the midsole and the bottom of the, of the upper. And, you know, I had a, a pattern that I thought looked good, but I got a lot of thumbs down. And, you know, Stephen Smith, who uh, was working at Advanced Concepts, basically said to me, you need to step it up. That's not good enough. I'm like, okay. So I did a lot of thinking, and I was thinking because it was custom cushioning, you know, I was thinking about, you know, you know, pillows and softness, and I was thinking about expansion and compression. And, and then I started thinking about when you throw a rock into a, or a pebble into a pond of water, get those concentric rings that expand. And since I had this somewhat of an oval motif right there in the midsole, I just basically just did concentric ovals. And then I um, colored it black and white for maximum contrast. Um, get, you know, one of the first things you teach in schools, you know, when you're presenting a design is get 
nice and contrast so you catch the viewer's eye. And it was really, uh, it looked different, you know, and uh, it happened that fast. And then we had a meeting, uh, this small room, product room called the War Room. And it was Paul Fireman and some of the higher up people and Paul Brown, head of design, and E. Scott, myself, and some other people. And um, so they wanted to know what was going on with the custom cushioning shoe. And I said, well, I've got this. And Paul Feinberg's eyes got big, and he started talking to the other people. And he said, can we make a shoe like, look, <coughs> excuse me, can we make a shoe look like that? And I said, sure we can. And then there was more conversation. And then he was actually uh, working on the shack shoe. And then he said, why don't we make the shoe I presented, the Shaq shoe, and E shoe would become the shoe for Emmett Smith. And I looked at E, and he looked at me, and I'm like, is that okay with you? And E was psyched because, you know, I loved Emmett Smith and, you know, NFL. And and I'm, I was thrilled to be doing a shoe for uh, Shaquille. And that's how it came to be, you know. It was just, it was just luck, I think. You know, and one of uh, my favorite aspects about the shoes, like you can be like 20 feet away, like you can't see the person, but that shoe sticks out. You can see that shoe a mile away. Yeah. You know, thank you. You know, it's it's funny because it's really iconic shoe. And, you know, I'm proud of that fact. And um, some people have told me that's like one of the coolest shoes ever. And I've also some people have said or written that's the ugly issue they, they use uh they, <laughs> they were probably a little more dramatic than saying it was ugliest you know but uh, they said it was really you know effing ugly and <laughs> i laughed i said that's great that means it gave a strong you know response you know I'd, I'd rather people say it's it's amazing or it's horrible than saying it's yeah it's nice <laughs> no one wants to hear it's nice because that means you didn't do your job <laughs> So to get a strong reaction is, is great. And then um, I've got a video somewhere that the uh, people at Reebok put together. And um, it's about all these um, commercials and ads and um, uh, TV anchors talking about the Shaq shoe and, you know, walking across the screen with the size 23 shoe on. And, and it was just, yeah, um, it's it's different and it's really bold. And so, like you said, Jamel, you can really see it 20 feet away. You just see the shoe. It's just, it's obnoxious, I guess, you know. But I like that. Like, from a performance standpoint, like, how did you guys craft the shoe to fit someone of of Shaq's size? Well, when I designed it, you know, I, um, basically we always do a size 9, you know, for men's, and then women's 7. And so I think what happened is that when they became a size 23 uh, for Sha- Shaquille, I think the advanced concept group, I think it was them, uh, worked on on that. And basically they made the top line a little higher. And I think they added the instant pump and all that. But I've got, I've got one of his shoes, size 23, somewhere here in my studio. And, um, you know, little things like the, um, the eyelets, you know, where your lace through look too small. The lace looks a little bit too small scale-wise. The hex light on the side, you know, looks too small to my eye. You know, they, you know, it's one of the tougher things to do is when you're scaling a pattern from a size 9 to a 23. They did a great, a great job at Reebok, but some things I'm like, 
could have been better, I think. Like, like I know some athletes, they have a lot of creative input on their signature sneakers. Like, was Shaq involved in the creative process or in the tech process of his shoe? Yeah. Um, I can't comment on that because, um, like I said, for his personal shoe, I think they made the top line a little higher and they put an instant pump ladder in it. So I imagine there was some conversation between Shaquille and some of the development people who did that. But uh, I never got to uh, talk or meet with Shaq, so I can't comment on that. I still hope to meet him, though. Was there ever, like, a discussion to do more than one colorway of the um, Shaq Gnosis? Um, I don't remember that. Um, Actually, Paul Brown, who was in charge of design back then, um, he said he he suggested doing like a gradation of silvers into grays, dark gray, you know. But I don't remember them making any other um, colorways besides the black and white. And then when they brought the shoe back, I thought the shoe looked good in black and white, but not so great in other colors. But that's just my personal preference. All right. So maybe maybe they did try. Um, some colorways and they thought the same thing at the time I don't know so like next to MJ like Shaq was one of the most popular athletes of the 1990s he was in yeah like he was in movies um Blue Chips is one of my personal favorites I was just watching it the other day on Amazon um, nice he had a rap album that went platinum and for like right. and for like a ball player to have a platinum album back nice. then that was a big thing but one of my favorite Shaq Reebok commercials um, was the one he had with Will Chamberlain, Bill Walton, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, like, um, with his big personality, like, how easy yeah. did Shaq make it for Reebok to market his shoe? Well, I would think that's like a dream come true for, for, for the marketing department because, you know, um, he's just got such a great presence, you know, and... Um, Everyone seems to know him and, you know, uh, everyone likes him, you know, and, you know, because he's such a, you know, dynamic person, you know, uh, I think it probably made it easy for Reebok to, to work with him on that, in those regards, you know, so I'm hoping he listens to this and that I get to meet him though. All right. so that, that'd be really cool. Like, like one of Shaq's most famous commercials with Reebok at the, at the time was the one when when he knocked um, Little Penny off the sofa. And, like, and that caused like a big rift between um, Shaq and Penny back then and probably played a minor role in the breakup of the Orlando Magic team. Really? I didn't, wow. I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't know that. I remember his commercials where he was just destroying the, um, the um, glass behind the hoop, you know? It was just like, he's just, you know, it was just like, it's really impressive, you know? Yeah, I think that commercial came out like um, in mid '96, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because he went to um, Lakers. After the Lakers yeah. after Orlando. So, like the Shaq Gnosis, along with um, Grant Hill's Fila line, was like two of the best sneakers of the '96 uh, NBA All Star Game and the '96 yeah. Olympics. Like, um, how did you feel seeing, like, something you created 
on such of a big stage, a worldwide stage, such, such as the Olympics and the All-Star Game? Uh, well, kind of overwhelmed. <laughs> you know, it's like um, when you see people wearing shoes that you've designed, you know, it's always a great feeling. Um, but to see, like, these amazing people, you know, at the top of the game playing in the Olympics, playing the All-Star Game, wearing your shoes, I mean, it's uh, it's it's very humbling, you know. So, like I said, I was just lucky, you know. And uh, but I think the shoot the as much as the shoe you know looks interesting and, and cool and all that, it it functions. So, um, right. you know, um, as far as I know, there were no blowouts in the shoe, and and people like playing in it. So you know, so seeing that the shoe actually worked, you know, I know the Kamikaze 2 worked as well. And, um, you know, that's, that's in some ways better, you know, knowing that it actually functioned. Yeah, some of my favorite shoes, some yeah, some of my favorite Reebok shoes from back then are like the Shaq Gnosis, the Kamikazes, okay. and the Reebok Blast that like nobody really talks about. Yeah, yeah, that's a great shoe. The, um, I think how the Mobius came about, came about was that, you know, the Shaq Gnosis was, you know, such a strong graphic and black and white that they decided, let's make a collection. So the, this was, I think, product, uh, marketing driven and said, let's do a tennis shoe, let's do a cross trainer, let's do, you know, this and that. And I'm trying to remember who did the blast. Um, I know, um, I think, you know, Fiona Adams worked in one of the shoes. Um, uh, uh, David Prescott worked another. He might have worked on the blast. I'm trying to remember. It's a long time ago, you know. Yeah. Uh, but the shoes, uh, look, they all look great, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, really f a fun collection of shoes. They could have almost made that a small company or brand called the Mobius brand. It just kept, kept going with it, you know. In fact, that's probably not a bad idea. Just come out with the Mobius brand. And to me, like back then in 1996 with Reebok, your two designs, the Shaq Gnosis and the Kamikaze 2, was mm -hmm. just like an NBA team, like repeating as, as champions. Yeah, yeah. There's a, that's a picture of um, Shaq and um, Sean Kemp, and you see them each wearing the signature shoes, you know, and I'm like, it's like a dream come true, you know have those two shoes in that short period of time being played by these amazing players, you know, um, it's pretty neat. Like, like imagine Reebok if um, Orlando and, and Seattle played in the NBA Finals back then. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That would have been something for you, for you guys. Yeah, yeah, that would have been great, you know. That would have been, been fantastic, you know. Or if uh, Shaq had played for the Celtics or something like that, you know, I guess they would have made that shoe in the green and white or black and green or something, you know, which I think that might have looked good, you know. I probably should draw it up. Old Shaq played for the Celtics. I don't know if you count that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's a long time. Yeah, yeah. All right, so, like, before we get into the Kamikaze 2, like, Sean, he wore the Reebok pumps and the above-the-rim joints. Like, okay. Um, 
And then he was gifted his first signature, like the Kamikaze one in 1994. Right. Like, like, what do you think about the Kamikaze one heading into the Kamikaze 2? I love the shoe. Um, Like I think I mentioned earlier, Ricardo Vestuti, he's super talented. Uh, He designed the um, Kamikaze one. And I remember seeing the shoe and was just blown away. It just thought it was an amazing shoe and a lot of the designers at Reebok we all felt the same it's just like wow Rick really knocked it out of the park and you know just great shoe and then um uh Dan Brown who's part of marketing he called me to his office and he said hey John so we need to do a follow-up shoe for the kamikaze and he said we'd like you to design it and I'm like are you kidding me because you know it's real. It's like a lot of pressure because you know, if the shoe the shoe's got to be, how do you make something better than something that's really cool? And um, he basically said, "I just want something that's really dynamic, and something that's like up and down, brings the upper into the midsole." And I kind of did a real quick rough sketch of this, like like a zigzagging line go up, you know, going across the whole shoe. And he goes, "Yeah, something like that." So I basically refined it, did a few more sketches. And it became the um, Kamikaze 2. You know, we had a high cut, a mid cut, and um, and then there was a low cut, which didn't look so great, you know. Um, but the mid cut, you know, it had a really unique top line. And um, at the time, um, I think I think the development engineer was John Dennis. Well, it could have been Rob Purvey. I'm trying to re- remember. But they were working with a, a company called Eclipse, and they wanted to do a lightweight PU. So when I designed the outsole um, with Soli in it on that, I was trying to expose a lot of the midsole because it was supposed to be this new lightweight material. So I tried to keep have enough rubber that you could, you know, get traction, but expose enough of it to show that there was this lightweight and cool shoe. Um, but the material that we intended um, just didn't hold up. So it's just a typical EVA and it's got hex light, but it's really a different looking midsole and, you know, um, which complemented the upper and uh, big piece of hex light and uh, a lot of sculpting, you know, so, um, yeah, so that, that was, that was great. And the same thing with that shoe as with the Shack Gnosis is a lot of parts of the upper has to line up perfectly with the midsole. And the factory wasn't very happy, but I said, we've got to try it. We've got to make it. Otherwise, it, the shoe won't be, you know, as, as good. And the factory did a great job. You know, they, they lined it up pretty well for production. And the Kamikaze, too, like, had a similar had a similar look to the Shaq Gnosis. Was that, like, by design to, like, keep the train going? Or was... They were designed right around the same time. So, you know, coming from the same hand, it's it's common. Just like people have a signature, um, different. Des- I can tell a designer's work from another one without the signature. Just if, if I know the designer, I can tell the sketch was done by this person. You know, they, they tend to have lines or proportions that they, they like, you know, the way they draw the silhouette of the shoe. So, you know, the similarity is probably because they came from the same person, you know. And one of my favorite colorways of the Kamikaze 2 was the red and green one because it matched yes. perfectly with the um, with the Seattle Supersonics jersey. Nice, nice. 
Now that too is funny that I think the Kamikaze too takes color a lot better than the Shack Noses. It just, and they've done a lot of colorways with that. And I think they, for the most part, look pretty good. You know, you know, they don't always get released in the U S but I've seen a lot of different colorways for that. And I think the design of the shoe, like perfectly captures the essence of what Sean Kemp was like as a player. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, yeah, very another amazing basketball player, very dynamic. I, another person I'd like to meet. I didn't have any conversations with him, which is kind of sad, I guess. And like, and another one of my favorite aspects of the shoe was like um, the interlock, the interlocking triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it just works, you know. Yeah, I still have my original pair. I still have the original drawings for that and the Shacknosis and um, and all that. And they, they, you know, they did the update and it's pretty close, but it's not it's not exactly the same as the original. Plus, they they, they don't use the um, the real Hexlite. They made a a cheaper version of it, so it's not quite as good. And one of the things that stuck out about the Kamikaze Two was like back then, like Reebok. They lowered the price to like $85 retail to make the shoe more affordable. Like, uh, like, and I think, um, like people was able to buy a cool shoe at yeah. a cheap price without getting laughed at. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. I think like, like if I look at, if I look at some of the shoes, like, uh, right now, um, out there, you know, like some LeBron James shoes and all that. The shoes look great, but they're really expensive. So I think that puts it out of reach for a lot of um, a lot of consumers, a lot of kids. You know, and that's a. I think that's sad. You know, you know they get all these heroes and they can't afford their shoes. You know, that's. I really think that was great that Reebok made it at a price point that was you know reasonable. You know. And I think like one of the lasting legacies of this shoe is like it's kind of intertwined with Sean Kemp's legacy because if you do a Google image search of Kemp, like mm-hmm. you'll see him wearing the shoe in, at least in the first 20 pictures. That's awesome. That's really neat. Yeah. And all that. I think um, I think I read an interview with him not too long ago. Um, and, you know, he talked about that shoe and that made me feel good. So getting back to what I originally said, you know, it was very intimidating to do an update to a what I considered a really great shoe and that my friend Ricardo designed. And, um, you know, I, I humbly, you know, uh, I think that I, I did a good job, you know, that it, it holds up, you know, still. And, uh, you know, so that, like I said, you know, it's, it's uh, it's stressful because you want to, how do you, um, do another shoe that you know comes after a big shoe you know it's it's hard you know you want to do better but you think oh i'll never be able to do it so it's, it's kind of like a confidence thing i guess you know and i think like when the shoe was retro like one of the main things that stood out was like the retro version mm-hmm. was was lighter than the og version like which made it like easier to play in if you play basketball yeah 
I wonder why. I wonder if it was the material. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I don't. I have to weigh it. How how much lighter was it? Do you know? Um, I'm not sure off the top of my head because I need like the OG version to wear it as an adult. <laughs> like I had it as a kid. Like I was telling you before, but right, it was stolen. Yeah. It's sad and all that. But um, yeah, well, I know Reebok keeps doing. You know some colors and uh you know or new colorways it'd be nice if they just kept that as a, a kept it in line every year you know and and in recent years um i seen isaiah thomas wear the shoe back really in, like, yeah back in 2013 i wow. think when he was with the kings and i think okay. and i think gerald green when he played on the celtics he wore it in a dunk contest oh wow that's i didn't know that that's really cool. You know, um, uh, the dunk contest, you know, the D Brown shoe, right? Yeah, the pumps. Yeah, you know, E. Scott designed that one. You know, what a great shoe. Like, and where would you rank, like, the kamikaze to in the lore of 90 sneakers to go along with the pumps, um, Grand Hill, um, Jordan Brand? Like, where, where would you rank? Uh, yeah, it's really hard. Um, I, I, I don't know. That's hard for me to answer that, you know, but I'd like to think it's, I know I've read a lot of different things where it comes in like a top 10 or top 20 shoe, but oh, I think if people think about shoes, um, those two shoes always uh, seem to come up, you know, uh, I mean, there's such a strong graphic on them, you know, and then they, and then played by these two great players. So, you know, I think that definitely, um, yeah, they're up there, I would I would say. All right, so now it's time for us to go to the streets from, for some fan questions. Sure. All right, um, Red Cooper from Facebook asks, from a company standpoint, was it challenging having two superstars, um, Sean, Sean Kemp and Gary Payton, on the same team, but they was at different sneaker companies? I don't know. You know, like I said, I didn't get to interact with Sean or, or um, back on those shoes. So that's probably more of a marketing question, you know. All right. Um, Daniel Jackson from Twitter asks, what were some of the challenges in creating the Kamikaze tools? Um, well, the, the first one is what I mentioned before was how do you try and do an update to a shoe that's already a really great shoe, the Kamikaze one. And then two, um, it was more of um it was more of a construction issue. How do I get all those the lines on the upper that match the um the, the lines on the midsole because they're made separately and they have to be put together. So if you think about the upper it's, it's leather, it's synthetic, it's you know it's being stitched, it's soft. Then they, they form it around a shoe form called the last. Then they put it together with the midsole and outsole, which is already painted and assembled. And it's it's pretty amazing that, that they could line it up so well. So that was probably the biggest technical challenge. But like I said, the development team and the factory, uh, they did a great job. They really uh, worked hard to get that done right. And if they hadn't been able to do it, the shoe, the shoe would not have looked as good. So, you know, uh, they did a great job. All right, at Crossover Kid from Instagram, 
he asks, what is your favorite shoe that you worked on as a as a designer from either company that you um, worked at? Um, it was a shoe called the Cliffhanger. So that came out in like 94. And um, that was another interesting shoe. But that was an outdoor shoe. But it looked like a cross between a street shoe and a rock climbing shoe. And Reebok couldn't make enough of those. So... That was probably like my favorite shoe that I designed. All right. Yeah. What are you up to these days? Are you still designing shoes or? Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm designing. Um, I'm freelancing, so I'm doing. I'm, I'm working. I have different clients, you know, and uh, I've done some stuff for Fila. I'm doing some stuff for Reebok. Believe it or not, um, some uh, Via Kicks. They're like a sandal company. I'm doing some high heel shoes you know, Latin dance shoes, um, you name it, I'm working on it. And then I like to draw cars because at heart I'm a car guy. And uh, so do some automobile illustrations or design work, uh, mostly for myself. All right, well, we want to thank you for your time and blessing us with this behind the scene look at two of the most iconic shoes from the 1990s. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I'm really flattered, you know. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. If if you or any of your um, listeners ever have questions, you know I'm I'm available and uh, love to help. And uh, you know I'm I'm available at any time. So don't be shy to send me a note.